November 26, 2023. We're continuing in Mesilat Yesharim. We're in Perek Kaf Aleph, B'darkei Keniyata Hasidut. We're finishing his explanation, Ramchal's, of how to acquire Hasidut. If you recall, we started this paragraph last time. Omnam, Mashi yuchal lishmoret ha'adam lahasido min ha'mafsidim ha'ele hu ha'bitachon. Mesilat Yesharim had described how one of the greatest impediments of Hasidut is distraction. In order to achieve Hasidut, a person needs to be focused. Focused and in turn you'll acquire awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yirat Hashem. Focus in different ways according to his understanding and you'll acquire Ahavat Hashem. You'll feel the emotional loving kindness side of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says the way in which you prevent this is through proper focus. How do you get to proper focus? Writes Mesilat Yesharim, with an attribute, with a, uh, uh, an, acqu- an acquired characteristic known as bitachon. It's uh, placing all of your, your uh, um, all those things that could distract you, all those things that could be burdensome to you, place them upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu entirely. It's with the knowledge that you have. It's impossible that that which was set aside for a human being will be diminished. All of our nutrition, all of our sustenance, all of our incoming... Uh, ways of sustaining ourselves, money and food, is determined from Rosh Hashanah. And similarly, the Gemara says in Yoma, A person can't touch that which was and is prepared for another, even the small amount of Melonima, of a hair breadth. The Gemara likewise says, En Malchut Nogat. In terms of strength of monarchy, one kingship won't dethrone the other uh, if it was supposed to be the initial one longer period of time. Uh, the general consensus, the general statement of the Hakamim in each of these statements and that of Misilat Yesharim is that there's a certain determined nature to existence. Of course, that's always the careful and delicate and difficult balance to strike, which he'll talk about right now. Where does Sishtadlut, where does human proactivity come in? If the circumstance that we're supposed to imagine and understand is that matters are determined and you can't really shift them, so then what are we doing? And of course he won't, because nobody will fully answer that question, but the mindset more than anything is what Mesilat Yesharim is setting forth, a mindset which brings forth a certain complacent nature, a certain calmness. When I understand that there's a necessary hishtadlut, self-endeavor and engagement, but ultimately speaking, the full reality will not be shifted, altered, or determined by me. It changes the mindset. It gives a certain focus. It doesn't exempt a person from full hishtadlut. It does bring forth a certain focus a certain ability to avoid those distractions. He'll very carefully bring us into a conversation of the necessity in life as we know it of Hishtadlut. He won't, therefore, based on this bitachon statement, say, well, negate all of existence and focus yourself only on the Hashem in the purest sense. He won't. 
but he will, from the onset of this conversation, set forth for us a certain complacent mindset, a certain calmness and breadth of vision and understanding that matters cannot and will not be entirely determined by your actions, and in turn, focus on the appropriate and important matters. It says that it could have been and would have been in some uh, extraordinary circumstance. It could have been the natural circumstance in ways of human beings that we live life in a way in which it's not necessary to be mishtadil, where the arduous, this worldly activities would not be part of our routine and necessary engagement. He's referring to Gemarot, as the note over here mentions, like Masechet Sanhedrin Dafnuntet, we mentioned at the end of class last time, where the Gemara says that Adam Harishon, before sinning, Adam Harishon in Gan Eden sat and was dined and, and fine, uh, served to by Malachi Hasharet. He was given meat, of course, not to be taken literally, and wine, not to be taken literally, but the circumstance, the situation, described to us as one in which there wasn't a necessity to go out hunt and produce food and uh, squeeze grapes and ferment them, etc. It was kind of there. What was responsibility of human beings? There still was. was something, but ultimately speaking, the hishtadlut was severely diminished. But ultimately speaking, there is what Mesilat Yesharim describes as a kenas, maybe a self-willed kenas penalty, which we placed upon ourselves through action, maybe a reality that humanity would have to, as Ramchal writes elsewhere, necessarily have to endure, but that is ze'ata pecha, that is the sweat of your brow in order to be successful. Asher alken hayav adam lishtadel, eze hishtadelut lesorich parnasato, it's a necessary reality and circumstance of living as a human being, that there needs to be self-engagement and endeavor and involvement. Interestingly, he does describe it as a gezerah. You see, elsewhere in Derech Hashem, for example, Mesilat Ramhal sets forth a vision that shelemut, if we're going to achieve it, to be complete, would need to be self-achieved. You can't be shalem, complete, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if you're dependent upon something that's built for you. And in turn, it was a necessary outcome of our action, which we willed upon ourselves, the necessity to grow in this world. Over here he calls it a gezerat which is interesting, a gezerat, generally speaking, as the hachamim use it, is something which is decreed without full knowledge of our understanding, without being an absolute necessity, it's just based on circumstances. Regardless, it's so to speak like a tax, which all of humanity needs to pay, our hishtadlut, but importantly, there's no avoiding it. It's for that reason that the Midrash has Something along the lines of Yachola Filu Yoshevu Batel, Tamud Lomar, Bekol Mishlah Yadecha Sheta Ase. 
Um, so the, the statement which he's citing from, the notes here, uh, bring the full Midrash, goes like this. Tanad The description in Tanad Ve'liyahu is one time I was traveling from one place to another. And individual who knew Mikra, he was well versed in Torah, uh, but he didn't know Divrei Hachamim, he didn't know Mishnah, approached me. Amarli Rabbi. I want to say something in front of you. However, I fear maybe you're going to have claims against me. Maybe you'll be angry at my question. So please don't imagine it as an audacious question. It's a question because I'm seeking, because I don't know. No such thing. I'll never be makpid if you ask me words of Torah. Amarli. This is the Pasuk describes how Kadosh Baruch Hu provides bread for human beings. Separately, it says that it provides bread for animals. Providing bread for animals might be understood. Animals are not sowing their fields. They're not planting and harvesting, etc. But human beings are. How come the Pasuk says, how come HaKadosh Baruch Hu is attributed with the giving of bread? He suggested in Tanat Veliyahu, this is some sort of reciprocal relationship. You go and involve yourself in my world, and in turn, I'll give, define accordingly, a beracha to your produce as a result of your true and genuine engagement. But the description in its final words is, maybe I can be Yoshev Batel. Maybe I can achieve that beracha without engagement. Absolutely not. You need to be involved. So Misilat Yisharim is, is, is towing the line over here. He's doing a careful dance in terms of, on the one hand, saying, avoid distractions by focusing on bitachon, while at the same time admitting to the more complicated reality of Hishtadlut, not negating um, that our focus can be enhanced by realizing God's hand, so to speak, in what we do, but at the same time admitting to the fact that our in this world engagement, involvement is an absolute necessity. It's not a, uh, so to speak, a bidi'avad, it's a reality as we know it. He calls it a mass over here, he calls it a gezerat melech, but ultimately speaking, it is what we do, and he's not denying that. And in turn, our mindset can and should be with hishtadelut, you fulfilled your mandate. And as a result, you can and you've opened up the opportunity for for the blessings of heaven to be showered upon you. And in turn, your life doesn't need to be burdened doesn't need to be consumed or subsumed by hishtadlut and haritzut, by constant and eternal involvement and endeavors. And 
ודרכם של החסידים הראשונים, he in turn appeals to the Gemara in Masechet Berachot, which describes, and we'll talk about it in a moment, the Hasidim HaRishonim, the first pious individuals, Osim Toratan Ikar Umelachtan Tefela. Their Torah is Ikar. Their Torah, their engagement in Avodat HaKodesh in the purest sense, in worship of heaven, in its, in its distilled sense, Tefillah and Torah, that's their Ikar. Their Melacha, which can and would be part of their Avodah as well, but not in the purest sense. It's in this world, it's involvement. In the physical sense, that was Tafil, and as a result, Zeva Zeh, Nitkayem Beadam, both the physical and spiritual labors were fulfilled and successful. Again, it's all about the mindset, says Ramhal over here. Once you've involved yourself earnestly, authentically, in involvement in this world, you can, as a result, focus on um, spiritual achievements. It's as a result that you'll find and your eyes will be open to avodat temima, to a pure and heartfelt uh, worship and, and achievement of hasidut. Yes? What do you mean that Like he didn't address any of He didn't entirely address it because if he were to, Hazeman Kasar and the Melacha Merubah, in terms of engaging in a full involvement, um, he would, I imagine, as do many, if not all, of the Jewish thinkers suggest, Hakolafi Heyota Adam. In other words, each person is going to have a different determination. You want clear uh, and defined guidelines, it can't do that. So what do you want? This is general. No, it's not nothing. It's a general. No, it's a mindset. No, but it's a mindset. People get distracted from this mindset. This is a mindset. But the answer is yes, but the point more than anything is it's a mindset issue. The mindset of a person, you see, and that's that's the final conversation I want to have about this. It's a Gemara and Masech, Berachot and Daf Lamedhe. Mahlok between Bishimon Bar Yochai and Bishmael. Pasuk says in what we say in Kiryat Shema Ve'asafta Deganecha. The question is in turn, when are you going to be Me'asef your Dagan? When are you going to be gathering your grain? Says Rabbi Ishmael, it teaches, Hanek Bahem in you have to act in the ways of this world. And as a result, you get Beracha from Hashem if you're doing it properly. You'll have blessing in what you're doing. Bishimon Bayochai says, absolutely not. That's a curse in disguise. You can and should be engaged in absolute, what I call distilled and refined Avodat Hashem. What about Well, that will be done. Others will do your physical labor in that respect. The Gemara continues and describes how Harbe many did like Rabbi Ishmael, and they were successful. Others did like Rabbi Shimon Adam. They were unsuccessful for one reason or another. Important to note Torah, and to understand. I'd imagine so, both in Torah and in Melacha. And the Gemara from that says, you can and should be along the lines of those Hasidim Rishonim. 
Toratecha Keva and Melachtecha Arai. The Gemara says, but we've made mistakes about this. People have done it the opposite way. Now, why do I mention this all in our context? Because in adopting and accepting the opinion of Rabbi Ishmael as Ramhal has over here, that's not to say that elsewhere he doesn't seem to be focused on Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. For one reason or another, he's even quoting the Ma'amare Hachamim in Berachot Lamedhe. That's the Gemara, which accords with Rabbi Ishmael. He's nonetheless saying to be involved, engaged in this world, does not mean that I'm overly engaged. There's a mindset which needs to be set in place. You say to me, it's simple. It's simple until a person actually jumps into it. It's simple until you actually are involved in, involved, in, in engagements and endeavors in this world. Says Ramhal, if you're doing it with the wrong mindset, you'll get ensconced in the web of what he's going to call falsity of your own self-achievements. So it's more a warning than anything else. It's not. It's not a perik on bitahon. It's a perik on hasidut. Says Ramhal, you want to get to hasidut. You need to focus properly. But I can't focus. I'm involved with business. I can't focus. I need to put bread on the table. Says Ramhal, don't. I'm not taking away from that. You do. But I want to tell you that your mindset can't be distracted as a result of What do you mean? How could it not be distracted? Because if you have some sort of overarching bitahon, again, hakol kefi mashehu, each person based on their circumstance, based on their situation, needs to adjust it accordingly, but that in turn will open your mind for appropriate uh, focus. Question. No, I'm just thinking it in. It's, it's, it's saying basically to compartmentalize every, any, any, let's say, business thought and shift it all to spirituality in a sense. Just well, listen, uh, it's, it's yeah, really... You shouldn't have an ounce of concern of anything in business that's related to your... Let's say, right. Now, very uh, difficult needs. to get there. No question uh, regarding that, that I'm going to say, well, I haven't put a, a dime in the bank this year. I'm in the red, but I know I'm doing my hishtadlu, Nakadosh Baruch Hu's going to provide. That, that's very difficult to, to wrap your head around. His mindset that he is trying to place upon each of us, though, is that. You know, it's if you can have an overarching vision, very difficult, very hard to achieve. But if that can be your entrance into the deal, it's going to be a deal. I think I'm going to be successful because I'm going to put in my all. If it's not, well, I know that it's a mindset. And again, Ralph says it's pashut, it's pashut until you actually fail. It's pashut until you're actually well, in the being, deal. Not being pashut. The idea is pashut. Like the problems. idea is pashut, but it bears reminder. It bears repeating, especially in the context of distraction, because who isn't distracted by that? Sure, the fact is that like he's sat in the house, I didn't say enough. The only thing I'm saying he's communicating. He sat, I'm telling you, is hakol no, you should be doing the necessary for your circumstance. But but that's but that's the meaning of it. Kesat is not an objective word. Kesat is a subjective word. For you, you're a very skinny person. I'm a little bit bigger. For you, a small meal is, is smaller than my small meal. Uh, for you, uh, providing for a family, inshallah, bekarov, of two people initially, is different than providing for a family of seven for me initially. Uh, so the kesat needs to be defined based on A, 
the literal circumstances, and B, where you are in terms of your achievements. Uh, listen, it's the words of, of the many of the Aharonim in the coming weeks, Parasha, where Yosef, according to the Hachamim, Rashi cites it at the beginning of Parashat Miket, is criticized for a double mention, Zechartani Vihizkartani, to the Sarham Mashkim. Uh, because he twice mentions, remember me and mention me. Ah, for that, there was two years in jail. Really? We're not allowed to mention in that way to any person. We're not allowed. What about Hishtadlut? And the suggestion of many is Yosef. And you read the Midrash carefully, might be suggesting this. One of two ways. Either Yosef's Hishtadlut in that circumstance was a futile one. Look who he's talking to. Wasn't a trustworthy worthy person. It's, so to speak, a distracted Hishtadlut. Or alternatively, Yosef, where he was, based on his past circumstances, based on what he proved in terms of his spiritual growth, in terms of his connectedness, didn't need a double. One, absolutely, he couldn't have and shouldn't have lived there and just assumed in the Beta Soha that I'm going to get out with the mercy of God. No, he needs to be saying something, but so to speak, the double mention for him. Not for me, maybe for you as well, Yosef level, but and it was not for me. That's not going to be a hisaron. If I call someone to remind them twice to please put the check in my bank account, it's not per se going to be a hoser, a bitahon for me, but that's going to be circumstantial. It's going to be based on the situation in terms of achievement, in terms of connectedness, in terms of physical wherewithal in this world and, uh, you know, and all other determinations. That's what I'm saying. Kesat is subjective. Do you think that, because I know like similar topics in Chavavot and like Ramam's son, they, they subscribe to asceticism. So obviously if I, people put pressure on themselves for all these things that they deem necessities, but if you really said, I made enough money to eat and pay for my shelter, so I, I, it's, it's a good question, and, and again, that's going to be open to debate and conversation based on a mindset and a perspective. Ramchal is not, and that's what Ralph was a little annoyed by, he's not, he's not committing to anything on that. Right? He's he not telling. other sections where he, does, he, does he subscribe to asceticism, like less no. is more? No, no, but he does elsewhere. The number is the number. Because that's, that's his point is there's something that's determined. Uh, something that's determined that doesn't, as a result, exempt me entirely. It doesn't turn me into an ascetic, into an individual who should depart from ways of this world. Now, again, in the notes specifically here, it's interesting because Ramchal wrote a lot. He was a very prolific writer in a very short lifespan. Uh, so, as I mentioned, in Derech Hashem, in his book Derech Hashem, he doesn't seem to envision Bizeata Pecha so much as a curse, as a kenas, as a gezera, as much as, so to speak, a privilege. It's an opportunity to achieve Shelemut. I couldn't achieve it otherwise. On that as one end of the spectrum, you know, taken to its furthest conclusion, you could wrongfully determine a person who just involves himself entirely in achievements in this world. That's the way I'm going to be complete in some respect. Of course, it doesn't only in the physical, material sense. And then he has an uh, opposite extreme. It's cited here from his book, Adir Bamarom. In Adir Bamarom, he seems to take a Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai approach to matters. An altogether opposite extreme. So I think you know, more than anything, and you know, there's attempts to distinguish maybe the different audiences they were written for. Difficult. Hasidim, Hasidut, he described his for those on a very high level. That's what he described here in Mesilat Visharim. Not simple to peg exactly Just his vision, his direction of you know uh, determining that sort of issue. Yeah. There's a commentary in this book, just two interesting facts. That one, they say they call, they call it a tax because you want to minimize paying your taxes. Anybody would want to minimize it, so it uses that in the mashal. And then the second thing that Roshat brings is like if you call up, I guess, learning, you can't become a great scholar today and work. 
So you kind of have that excuse. So in other words, what Robbie's pointing out in the second comment is that the rationale, again, you can do one of two things. You can either take the, again, Rabbi Shimon by your high approach, and the idea by Marom, where Ramchal himself apparently is ascribing to Rabbi Shimon by your high, or you alternatively, as Rabbi quoted from Rav Shach, you say that in today's day and age, the Rabbi Shmael approach can't and won't be successful. Our minds, our bodies are not built for such a lifestyle any longer, and in turn you won't become great in that respect. Again, you're going to need to determine based on your upbringing, circumstance, self uh, self-knowledge and a community rabbi etc to, to make such a decision I, I'm not and, and this is a time immemorial issue I'm not taking a stance entirely on that matter but what I am saying is there is such a claim and there was such a claim all the way back then the Gemara describes that then it was the opposite reality to argue today uh, you know we'd have to open up and, and it'll be retrospective more than anything. But the Gemara's suggestion is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was not successful. Again, the claim is, the counterclaim might be that today you couldn't do it that way. And I'll just, for that purpose, remind uh, a story which always has touched me. It doesn't per se touch specifically on the issue of, well, what should my lifestyle be? But it does open our eyes to a reality which is sometimes overlooked in an embrace of, so to speak, the Zivulun lifestyle, right? There was once an individual, the story is told from Rav Cutler, Rav Aaron Cutler of Lakewood Yeshiva, who approached Rav Aaron Cutler, and Rav Aaron Cutler said to him, well, I haven't seen you in the Bet Midrash recently. He said, Rabbi, aren't you uh, jealous of my Sachar? I'm the Zivulun. I'm the one who's upholding the uh, learning Torah of so many others. They might be Sachar, but look at me, Zivulun. I'm the Zivulun for hundreds of people, maybe, potentially. So Aaron Cutler, with a twinkle in his eye, and of course, a smile on his, on his lips, as he smiled and he said to the person, he says, listen, I'm very jealous of your Olam Haba. No question. Your Olam Haba, uh, my Olam Haba pales in comparison to yours. But I think you should be jealous of my Olam Haba. In other words, my engagement in spiritual pursuits in this world, if you lost track of that, if your focus became one of just Zevulun, so then what has your spiritual achievement in this world become? It's not to diminish if you've been doing it L'Shem Shamayim, but you've lost track of a, a potential to achieve in this world as well. All right, the Perek the next Perek in Mesilat Yisharim, moves us from Hasidut, which if it didn't appear high enough, apparently we're going even higher in terms of Anava. Doesn't generally speaking, people don't speak about it that way. Anava being modesty, being a certain humility. People assume uh, Anava is, well, that's a base level character trait. Hasidut is something higher and more difficult to achieve. Anava, Misilat Yisharim, as did Bipinahas ben Yair in the Biraita Masech Davodazara, has this on a higher rung in terms of achievements, maybe even more difficult, but certainly in terms of achievement, the loftiness of it, it's higher than even Hasidut. Anava, the Gemara in Masechet Ta'anit and Davzayin, cites that Torah, Hoi kol The Pasuk seems to describe how all those who are thirsty should run to water. It's a mashal, of course. It's a reference to Torah. Why is Torah like water? The vision of the Hachamim is because water always, based on gravitational pull, is always going downward as opposed to moving upward. So too, a person who achieves Torah appropriately has a certain humility of mind. A person who has a haughtiness of mind can't appropriately achieve chokhmah in the fullest and truest sense. It's in that same Gemara that Rabbi Hanina is cited, Rabbi Hanina says, and Ms. Lai Shalim will quickly allude to this. Ta'anit Davzayin. 
Rabbi Hanina has this statement where he says that I studied, I achieved much knowledge from my rabbis. From my friends even more. And from my students the most. Of course, it's closely associated with that earlier statement, right? Because the statement is, I can and will achieve true knowledge when I'm able to bring myself down, to look at my student and hear his or her question and understand there's a certain truth in that which I couldn't have opened my mind up to had I been haughty, had I been lofty in my perspective, in my mindset. It's a midah which we learn from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Gemara and Megillah, and Aflamid Aleph seems to teach us that b'makom gedulatot, from the, in the moments and the places of, of greatness, and grand might that we find of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Shamata Mose, so too exactly there you'll find Anvitanuto, his, so to speak, humility. It is, and we'll discuss this further, it's Harambam's vision, understanding that on the uh, golden mean, on the Derech HaMemusa uh, of Aristotle, which he talks about in Hilchot De'ot, one of the two character traits which stands apart, you shouldn't be in the middle on that, is Ga'ava, haughtiness, a haughty spirit, a haughty mind brings to self-destruction. We need to be me'od me'od ruach. Very much be um, lowly in terms of our mindset. His understanding separately, and there alluded to as well, is that that was the ultimate flaw of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, whom the Torah at the end of Parashat Beha'alotecha attests to in Perek Yod, Aleph Yod Bet of Bimidbar attests to the fact that he was the Anav Mikol HaAdam Asher Pnei Adamai. He was the most uh, modest and most humble from all human beings on the face of the earth. In the conversation of Hakadosh Baruch Hu to Miriam and Aharon, nonetheless, his sin at the end may have been inspired by anger, which could have been in some way crept in by a certain haughty, lofty spirit in mind. Again, anava being a matter which we sometimes overlook, but stands at the core of our achievement in terms of understanding, in terms of in terms of moral growth, I can only become greater morally, ethically, as a person, as a mind, as an individual who knows. If I'm able to debase myself, if I'm able to bring myself down to a level where I realize that my achievements are not so special and in turn I have much more uh, to achieve and my being is not uh, is not immune to the involvement with others. Writes Ramchal in here in Perek Kafbet, he talked about the negative ways of haughtiness. From the negative nature of haughtiness, we can in turn understand the positivity, the necessity of humility. Now we're going to focus more on the positive side of humility. And in turn, you'll understand, you'll strengthen your negation of haughtiness, of ga'ava. Anava in a sentence is It's not giving a sense of importance and stature to yourself for whatever the circumstance and situation 
may present to you as you being important or having a higher stature. And in turn, it's the opposite of those five toladot which he enumerated in Perik Yodalf with regards to ga'ava, holiness. He says, when you look into this matter, you'll notice, you'll find that anava will be dependent upon both thought mindset, which we've focused on, but also on action. Of course, it needs to start with thought in this respect, because if it's action, he'll write, well, then it's a fake action. It's a faux action. You're acting as if you're modest, and you might believe you're modest and humble, but in reality, since your mindset is otherwise, it's an absolute uh, fake uh, circumstance. It's filled with all the falsity of uh, well, highest level falsity, acting and assuming that you're modest and humble when in reality you're not will come off as much worse than uh, just acting naturally. Opposite, when he said earlier about, about anger, and you could, you, you could be angry inside and you don't show the anger. He was saying the opposite, where no, no, this is a character trait where, where it's a matter where you look like, like Hashem, almost like measuring your, your, your inside. Yes. Yeah, 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 over here, the humility. Yeah, I mean, and that's why he's going to start on, on he's going to start on the internal, because he says that the way it'll spill over to action is worse than anything else. I ass, I'm assuming that I'm humble, but I'm in reality not, and in turn I'm acting as if I am, but I'm really not. Oh, those actions can't be worse. And he, you know, as he described, begin with the thought and then act in that fashion. Because if you do it alternatively with, uh, well, action, humility, I'm a humble person, but in reality, my mind is not. It'll, it'll birth all sorts of terrible circumstances. There's nothing worse than that. In mind is that you analyze, you focus, you realize, and becomes true to you. Any tehillah, any praise which is sent your way, any kavod, any honor which is granted to you is not appropriate for you. You're not deserving of it. And certainly being placed above in any sense all others of your of your uh, of your kin. There's two reasons why and how a person can come to that mindset. Number one, by realizing what they're deficient in, and number two, realizing what they do have. And briefly, without reading it right now, we'll begin with this next time. What you're deficient in, well, you are not complete, so you have a higher capability, but there's all sort of deficiencies within you. What gave you that haughtiness of spirit and of mind if you know that you're not complete? Secondly, in terms of that which you have achieved, says Misilat Yishrim, you've achieved it for one of several reasons. Either genetically you've been embedded with an ability to be smarter, stronger, more capable. If that's the case, well then your responsibility in turn is to spread it to others. Your responsibility is not to hold on to it and to assume that made you greater. You had inborn skills. You had circumstances born into a family and 
have a situation, had circumstances fall your way, as a result, becoming haughty is missing the point. Thinking that it's deservant of you as opposed to the other is believing that you achieved it independently, that a, an independent achievement is far from simple. It's based on circumstances, based on situations which oftentimes, if not always, are out of your hand. Each of those, A, understanding that you don't have all, you're not complete, and B, all that you do have is not because you've per se achieved it in an independent, greater fashion, but rather in a way in which it, uh, as a result, uh, makes you responsible to spread to others, can and will birth within a person this midav anavav humility. We'll read it inside and develop it further next time. Baruch Amen. Amen.